Welcome to Season 2 of the Unicorn Club Audio Journal Podcast. Today's episode is going to be short, and I think that I'm going to call this It's Not Always Temptation. So, you guys know, for those of you who are following the podcast, you know that um, whenever I have a thought, In my moment of self-reflection, self-analysis, and personal development, I like to self-reflect. And whenever I have a thought, I want to create a podcast while the thought is flowing through me. So this morning, I had a wonderful weekend, by the way. So I've been transitioning from... The regular things that I eat are more vegan and plant-based. And I recently crossed someone who told me he was pescretarian. And it's spelled P-E-R-C-E-S-T-E-R-I-A-N. Pescatarian. And I was like, what on the planet is that? Never heard that before. And so I Googled it. I always say Google is your BFF. And YouTube is your bay. So I googled it. And apparently it's a person that does not eat meat but eats seafood. And then they have another term called flexitarian. And that's a person who occasionally eats meats, fish, and dairy. So you know something I said to myself... What's with all of the titles? We have vegan, we have plant-based, we have this pescatarian and flexitarian, and you have the Muslims who don't eat pork. And What's with all the titles? I think that it's just better to do what's best for your health or the environment, whichever one you choose, and that's it. So what I've decided that I'm going to do is because I need protein, preferably from the porterhouse steak. And there are certain times that I want a bacon cheeseburger with french fries. So I've decided that I'm going to continue to eat vegan and plant-based. It depends on my day and how I feel. Um, Eliminate meat as much as possible, but one day a week I'll eat meat. Whatever that may be, whether it's steak or a burger or uh, chicken or seafood, whatever it is, just one day a week. And that's what I'm going to do. And then I made some Irish moss. Now, let me tell you, if you never had Irish moss, first of all, (laughs) the one that comes in a bottle or can, the, the store, one that you can purchase at a store... That is disgusting. That will turn you off from Irish moss. I tried two different brands, and they were both disgusting. One was more nasty than, one was nastier than the other. And so I went to my bay YouTube, and I said, how do I make Irish moss? And I learned how to make it from YouTube. And there were two main ways to make it. 
One way is you soak the Irish moss overnight and then in the morning you cleanse it from the debris and the salt and you just put it in a blender with some water and you can store it for several months in your refrigerator and it will be fine. The second way to prepare Irish moss is to soak it overnight then in the morning you cleanse it from all of the debris and the salt and then you boil it. The only thing with boiling it is that you boil out some of the nutrients and the amino acids from the Irish moss. Kind of like how you steam cabbage or you steam broccoli you'll notice that the color changes that's because the temperature of the heat um, causes some of the nutrients to dissipate basically some people use almond milk I've never had almond milk yes I did yes I did I had almond milk once and I didn't like the taste of it it tasted like vanilla extract or something and I didn't like it so I replaced it with hemp milk and hemp comes from seeds so um, I use my hemp milk, I use sweetened condensed milk, coconut milk, the Irish moss, flax seeds, um, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. <clears throat> and I put it all in a blender and made myself a drink. And let me tell you something, you guys. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. So I do recommend if you want to boost your immune system to get some Irish moss because it has 92 nutrients in it and our human body needs 102 nutrients. So I do suggest um, Irish moss. Prepare it however it is that you um, prefer. Test it, try it, see what you like and stick with that one. And something I want to tell you about the flax seed. If you soak the flax seeds for four hours or more, preferably overnight when you soak in your Irish moss, you'll notice that the the seed will open up. When the seed is open, that's where the fiber is at. And fiber is also good for your immune system and your digestive system. So um, that's why I incorporated flaxseed into my Irish moss drink. And um, so I made my drink for the first time. I think I did it Friday. And today is Sunday. And of course I had some left over in the blender. So I just put it in, you know, a container and covered it. And I pulled it out of the refrigerator this morning and drank it. And it still tastes as good as it did when I prepared it a couple of days ago. So I'm going to say that so far, um, once you prepare the drink, it lasts three days. That I can guarantee. I don't know about after that because I didn't keep it <laughs> longer than that. So I can't tell you, um, you know, how much time it is you have until it spoils. And I'm sure that it would, you know, being that there's three different types of milk um, in the Irish moss, but it is delish, I promise. So, the purpose of the podcast is the devil does not always use temptation. 
The devil does not always use temptation to ensnare and entrap people. I personally think when a person does not know who they are or does not know their purpose in life, the devil tries to use all types of distraction tactics so that the person does not come into that moment of spiritual awakening and discover who they really are and what their purpose in life is. So the devil has been using these things um, for thousands of years, basically. Sex is number one. Humans always want to have sex. Uh, and when you're you're having sex unmarried, that actually hinders you in life. It hinders you spiritually. So if you don't care about being hindered spiritually, then keep, you know, doing what you do. The second thing that the devil uses is food. We have people that are foodies and food lovers. And that's a form of gluttony. And he'll use food to distract you. Let me let me give you an example. I remember I met this um, woman who she said that she just had a feeling about him that he was no good. Like a no good predatorial type of man. He offered to take her out to eat. And she went. And even while they were sitting across from each other, her whole spirit was telling her that he was a blatant pathological liar and so she ignored it because she was enjoying her food a couple of months later they started to live together and she really discovered why she was having those um, unctions why her intuition was speaking to her the way that it was and she discovered that he wasn't a man and that he wasn't a father figure to children he was a thief you know, he like literally he had sticky fingers and he was a blatant pathological liar. That was someone that she should not have been with. So in the process of the devil distracting her with this gluttony because of food, she ended up in a situation from not listening to her intuition and ended up in a hurtful situation that's heartbreaking. And when you're focused on heartache, you have stress and depression and you can't see your purpose in life when you're going through so much pain. It's a distraction. The other thing that the devil uses is beauty. Here in America, people are incredibly big on looks and the shape of a body. I watched this show, 100 Humans, and it's on Netflix. And um, they did a test an experiment on 100 humans and they made up a scenario and they showed um, a male and a female. One set was attractive and the other set was considered to be unattractive. And so they made up a story and said, hey, this is the crime that they committed and um, this is the maximum sentence that you can give for this crime and this is the minimum sentence that you can give for this crime which one would you choose 
And so the 100 humans gave the attractive people the minimum sentence allowed by law. And the unattractive people, the 100 humans gave them the maximum sentence allowed by law. That was crazy. If you have never seen the show on Netflix, go and check it out. It's called 100 Humans. So the devil uses beauty to distract people. If you've, you know, never had sex, here we go, back to number one. If you've never had sex with an attractive person and they're giving you attention, you know, all of a sudden you're going to take that opportunity and run with it because you've never been with someone who's physically so attractive and it's just a distraction you look at European cultures and they don't focus on looks a person's face and the shape of a person's body as much as Americans do they mostly focus on emotional connection togetherness and unity while Americans aren't they're not that way at all. If you're attractive, you get away with a lot. If you're unattractive, you are severely penalized. You are severely chastised. The other thing that the devil uses is money. The greed of money. This is where you get the Bernie Madoffs from. Some people can handle being millionaires. Some people cannot. You see stories about people that won the lottery and then, you know, they're broke or they committed suicide. Something along those lines because they cannot handle it. And those people never really realize or conceptualize their purpose in life. This is why you hear people say, uh, you know, when they won the lottery or even celebrities, they say, oh, all of a sudden I've got all these friends and cousins and relatives that, you know, come from out of the woodworks because I got this money. But when I didn't have it, there was nobody there. I remember I worked with this lady and um, she was having a hard time with her health insurance and prescription medication. And um, she was having a lot of joint pain. And I said to her, try Aleve, because Aleve helps a lot of people with arthritis as long as, you know, you're not allergic to it. And um, she said to me, you know, when I was working and I made pretty good money on my job, I had all of these friends. But, and, but then I got sick and then everybody dispersed, and nobody wants to talk to me unless money is involved. And I was like, wow, that's sad. I remember talking to this guy, and I was telling him that I was going to go back to college and become a registered nurse, and he had counted my pockets. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, my friend works in such and such hospital, and he told me that those nurses make 52, those registered nurses make $52 an hour. They make it, you know, eighty dollars and $90,000 a year. Yeah, yeah, that's a good career to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So how long you want to be single? But he wasn't doing all of that before. Like he, in his mind, he was going to get married to me before I had even became a registered nurse. But when I didn't mention it, he just wanted to, let's see how things go. <laughs> you know, men are predatory when women have money and they don't. Anyhow, not to get off the subject, but these are the four things that the devil uses to tempt you. Sex, beauty, food, and money. Then I discover there's an, a fifth element to it. And it's not always temptation. Sometimes the devil uses your blindness. When you can't tell when a person is just telling you what they think you want to hear. When you can't tell that a person is using you for what you have. When you can't tell that a person is just not that into you. When you can't tell that the person is only around you just to be hurtful and harmful to you. They want something bad to happen to you emotionally. They want you to be emotionally devastated. There are people on this planet who actually seek out other people just to cause them emotional trauma. They're not happy unless they cause somebody emotional trauma. It makes them feel good about themselves to know that they've hurt someone. It feeds their pride to know that they hurt someone. They sleep easier at night to know that they've caused someone emotional trauma. There are people on this earth that are like that. So the devil will use where you are blind to distract you from knowing what your purpose in life is, why you were born. He will distract you from conceptualizing and actualizing your true identity and who you really are. It's all one big smoke screen. I think that life is just a huge mirage. We feel pain, we feel pleasure. But life in itself, in my own personal opinion, is one huge mirage. Just a bunch of chemicals and um, molecules coming together to form the pictures that we see in front of our eyes. That's my own personal opinion. I don't know what the afterlife is. I can tell you that I had open heart surgery. And I was flatlined in order for them to perform that surgery. And I saw something. I saw something. There is an afterlife. I don't know all about it. But I saw something. I remember um, talking to this guy. He was a woke brother. Spiritually conscious brother. I found him to be very, very annoying. Very annoying. And um, he asked me had I had any personal experiences with um, any spiritual awakenings. 
And I said, well, and I paused because a lot of the times when I tell people what my supernatural experience is, if they've never gone through it, they think, oh, I didn't experience it. So she's crazy. That don't happen. And so I paused and I said to him, I normally don't answer that question because people have a tendency of thinking I'm crazy. And he goes, no, 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 no. I'm very curious about what happened. And so I said to myself, well, he he must be looking for his own personal experience. And I'm assuming he has never had one that he is curious about it. So I decided to answer the question. After I answered the question, uh, he said to me, oh, she's crazy. I'm thinking that you're crazy. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I said to him, have you heard these types of stories before? He said, yes. So I said to him, so if everybody is saying the same thing, then how can everybody be wrong? How can everybody be crazy? And he kept quiet. And I said, this, that right there is the reason why I just told you why I don't tell people who has never had a supernatural experience any of my supernatural experiences. I just said that. And so right then and there, trust was broken because he judged. You wanted to know the answer. You asked me because you was curious. I told you the truth. And then you turned around and judged me. So trust was broken. He had no clue that he was spiraling downhill and fast. And he did. I think about four or five days after that, I ended up blocking him. So all I'm, I'm going to say is I've seen something. Anyhow, I just wanted to come on to encourage you to speak affirmations over yourself. If you want to know the purpose of you being on earth. Speak positively about yourself every day, whether it's in the morning, the afternoon, before you go to bed, in the shower, on your way to work, washing the dishes, taking the garbage out, whatever it is that you're doing. And you may not get the answer right then and there. You may not get it a month later. It may be some time before you actually get that aha moment and say, oh, that's what I'm here for. Um, for me, I'll be 43 years old this year. And I've always known that God has wanted me to be a pastor over a church. And I never wanted to, to do it because I feel that church people are like worse than the people who are on the streets. And I'd rather be with the gangbangers and the drug dealers and prostitutes than to be with church people. Those type of people, uh, the church people will hurt you emotionally. The people on the streets will hurt you physically. And you can get over that pain as soon as the pain stops. But emotional trauma, it sticks with you. For like for life, it sticks with you. So, <clears throat> that was one thing. Knowing that God wants me to be a pastor is one thing. But when it came to my purpose in life, 
It wasn't until I'd recently gone through a midlife crisis that I got the revelation, part of the revelation, that I am here to fight for what is right. Not for what's fair, but for what's right. I don't want to be an activist or anything like that. But I do want to fight for what is right, but starting with myself. I don't want to go out into the world and say, you know, don't do this and don't do that. I just want to say, when it comes to me, these are the rules. These are the laws. This is the law of the land. Follow the laws that you created and give me what's right. That's it. I don't want to do anything else. But I'm quite sure with, you know, with God's blessing, <laughs> it will be more than that. So anyhow, do discover what your purpose in life is. I do pray that, you know, you get the revelation of it, whether it's an aha moment, a dream, your intuition, God speaking, an ancestor, whatever. I do hope that you get that revelation. And don't be distracted by the devil's wiles. And he will try to tempt you. And he will take his time to set you up and, and to just to entrap you. He will wait until the moment is right and then strike. And sometimes things have a way of sneaking in that you ain't never see coming. Some things you can predict what's coming before it comes. But then there's the, you know, those those random once-in-the-blue-moon situations that just kind of sneak in and you're like, whoa, I never saw that coming. Don't be distracted by that. That was the devil sitting around waiting to ensnare you and to just hit you with, you know, uh, an emotional traumatic blow to your heart. That's, that's all it is. I've got this guy for the last couple of months I swear it's the devil. I promise I think it's the devil. And I told him from meeting him, I do not want to be in a relationship. But I never finished the sentence because I know how a man's ego is. You, you bruise it, it's a fight and an argument. And I don't feel like being bothered. So I just said, I don't want to be in a relationship instead of completing the sentence and saying, I don't want to be in a relationship with you. That would have caused a fight. And so he asked me why, and I said, life. It's just life. I never gave him any details. I don't think that he needs to know that I'm going through, while well, I was going through a midlife crisis and that, you know, I was having anxieties and depression and learning about myself and, and you know, improving um, the areas where I needed to be strengthened, where I needed to mature in. I, he didn't need to know all of that. So I just said life. And he has been pursuing me and trying to pick up on my patterns and trying to meet with me and all sorts of things. And I'm like, if I, if I go out to, you know, to have brunch with you, it's not going to be two friends just having brunch and talking about the work week or children or, you know, the neighbors, a funny story about the dog. It's not going to be anything like that. 
the news, social media. It's not going to be anything like that. He's going to be looking to see if I qualify to be with him when I've already disqualified him from the beginning. It's like he's ignoring the fact that I said I don't want to be in a relationship. And it's almost like he's going to try to push me into something that I never wanted to be in to begin with. And so I did mention that to him. And I said, I don't want to be in something that I never wanted to be in to begin with. Like, you're not going to speak to me over the phone every day. And, and and you know, these are the designated days that, you know, we're together and you're always around. And I'm not telling you where I live at so you could just pop up at my home. Like, I'm not doing any of those things because I already see that the devil is operating. Like I see it, it's like a trap from the devil, but I see it. And the devil wants to, to, to kind of push me into it. And so the guy says to me, well, you can always say, you know, if a man is doing something that you don't want him to do, you can always tell him to stop. And he thought that he had a very valid point. And my response was, how about I just don't put myself in that type of a situation to begin with? And his whole energy told on him and said to me, he thought about that. And he knew that made logical sense. But if I didn't, if I wasn't smart enough to think of that on my own, I would have felt pressured to be in his presence when I never wanted to be in his presence to begin with. It's kind of like, uh, let me just go, you know, to brunch or dinner or whatever, you know, just to get it out of the way. But that's that's a trap of the devil. That's exactly where the devil wants me to be. And I'm not going to allow that to happen. So this guy is just another thing that he does is he tries to provoke me just to get my attention. And then I thought about it and I said, you know, from some people in my past. And I said to myself, oh, my God. Oh, my God. How come I didn't see this before? How is it I'm seeing it now, but not before? There's people who want my attention, even if it's negative, because they don't know what it is that I'm thinking. They want to know what it is that I'm thinking. So they figure if they get an argument going and they're in control of, you know, themselves, their emotions and what's being said, that they can agitate me and get the truth from out of me so that they can know what it is that I'm thinking. Why is what I'm thinking so freaking important to these people? They only turn around and use that information to try to deal a traumatic, emotional blow to me. That's all they do with the information. I've never experienced anyone doing anything positive with that information. And so I think this guy is the devil. He had reached out to me and said, what are you up to? I didn't respond to the text. It says, can I call you? I didn't respond to that text either. The last time he said to me, he asked me, could he call me? I said, sure. And the next thing I know, it was a FaceTime. I said to myself, surely he knows the difference between a call, a text message, and a video call. 
He said, call, not FaceTime. So when he said, call again, I said, oh, he thought about that. And uh, knew that he could trick me into doing another video call, another FaceTime, which is something that I never wanted to be in to begin with. It was just a matter of words that he had used. Anybody, let me tell you something. If you gotta gotta force somebody into a relationship with you, you need to stop. If you gotta trick somebody into being into into being in a relationship with you, you need to stop. If a person is just not interested in you, you need to stop. Like, don't play yourself. Don't make yourself look bad. That's something that a lot of people do. They make themselves look bad. It's like they don't have any cooth about their self-image. Don't make yourself look bad. Just go away and work on your self-esteem. Work on your self-confidence. Work on your mindset. Work on your self-image. You got to remember beauty. The very thing that the devil uses to ensnare people. People like an image. They like fantasizing. And you can portray whatever image it is that you want to portray about yourself. You literally can influence somebody else's perception of who you are. People do it all the time. They can't do it with me. But people do it all the time. (laughs) You know, so if you're saying that you're not a bad person, then portray the image that you're not a bad person. If you say that you are a hard worker, then portray yourself as being a hard worker. If you're good at your craft or your niche, portray that you are good at your craft and your niche. When I was in my 30s, that's when I first learned about imagery. And I noticed that if I said something to someone one time, they would think it was like that all the time. Like I could say, oh my God, I stubbed my pinky toe on the corner of my bed, bedpost, you know. I was just walking and bam, hurt my pinky toe. People will think that you you bang your pinky toe <laughs> Or something all the time. And so I thought to myself, I wonder what would happen if I tell them that I'm going shopping. I wonder what would happen if I tell them I'm spending money. I wonder what would happen if I tell them I'm educating myself. And I would say it one time and then never mention it again. I would sit back and watch people. And me saying something one time influenced a person's image of who they perceived me to be. So if you portray something positive, people will see positive. If you portray something negative, they will see something negative. If you portray something that's childish, you'll be pegged as a childish adult. So you can use this this <laughs> imagery to your advantage. <laughs> it's a bit cunning, but it's smart and it works. Another thing I want to add to that is if you use words that you've learned, 
people will have the impression that you are intelligent and smart. I remember reading a lot of books when I was in college, like a lot. And I learned words like nepotism and facade and so forth and so on. I was like, what, what does this, I've never heard this before. What does this mean? And anytime I had the opportunity to use the words that um, I learned, I would use them. And people just thought I was the smartest person on the planet. So use words that people normally do not use. If you download the app dictionary.com, they give you a word of the day, uh, every day. And if you like the word, you can save it in your archives and kind of go over them so that you don't forget them. Um, take note of how they're spelled, how they're used in a sentence, and it'll help you to remember them. There was one word, um, Gussie, Gussie, and God bless the dead, my grandfather's name was Gussie. And I got the word of the day one time, and it said Gussie. And it meant, the definition of the word meant a person that dresses nicely, a man that dresses nicely. And I took a screenshot of it, and I sent it to my mother. I was like, look, look, I found his name uh, in the dictionary. <laughs> but who would have thought that Gussie meant a man that dresses nicely? So anyhow, it's an old English word, um, and some people may look at you like you're crazy, but if you're talking to an older crowd and you use that word, uh, they will be impressed. Some may know what it means, some may not, but people will be impressed. Anyhow, enough of my rabbit trail rambling. Shalom. Know your purpose. I'm praying for you. My heart to your heart. Shalom.